the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here's an idea. Don't shoot at cops. That's what Jalen Walker did in Akron several days ago. Now he's on his way to becoming a martyr. The headlines say police killed unarmed black man, and they all do say that. They all say black man, which tells you right away that you're supposed to be suspicious of the cops. Video shows that when the cops were chasing Walker, he stuck a gun out the window of the car and fired in the cops' direction. They caught up to him. He jumped out of the passenger side wearing a ski mask, started to run. He had been tased, and that didn't help. That didn't slow him down. And when the cops thought that he was uh, turning toward them and, uh, and possibly reaching for something on his person, they shot him lots of times, like 60 times. And now people are asking, why did they have to shoot him so many times? That's because the people who asked that question have never been in that situation. Uh, the guy has already shown you that he's willing to shoot his gun in your direction. You don't know if he has another gun with him, but you're not going to wait to find out. At least I'm not, are you? He was given multiple chances to do the smart thing and stop resisting. He chose not to. Should the cop wait an extra second to see if he has a second gun? Maybe then wait another extra second to see if he's going to take it out? And then wait another second to see if he's going to shoot it? Again, I don't know about you, but I'm not waiting. If somebody's going to get shot here, it ain't going to be me. And if I'm shooting, I'm shooting to kill because I don't want to be killed. That's the way it happens, and there were multiple cops. They fired multiple shots, and they hit their target multiple times. It's a sad story, only because it didn't have to end with him being dead. And the media will focus and has been focusing on the fact that he was unarmed, which will give too many young black men the idea that Jalen Walker is dead because he's black, instead of focusing on the stupidity and danger of shooting at cops and then resisting arrest. If he were white and the same scenario developed, he'd be just as dead. On Twitter, people in the media and in politics have been focusing on the fact that the psychopath who killed seven people in Illinois was arrested without being shot, with the implication, of course, being that it was because he's white, instead of focusing on the fact that the reason one is dead and one is still alive is that the guy who's still alive didn't resist. Well, when we come back, the school choice law that was passed in West Virginia and that we've talked about quite a bit here on this show, it has been uh, just wiped out by a judge. We'll find out why and what happens next. And then in our second half hour tonight, those heartwarming stories you've seen and heard about innocent men being let out of prison after serving several years, they're not always that heartwarming. Stick around. Today, the majority of children have already been exposed to pornography by age 11. Even though most of this is accidental, this exposure can have disastrous consequences for their mental health and future well-being. If you want to protect your child and set them up to have healthy relationships, you need Canopy. Canopy is the most effective technology on the planet for blocking pornography. Canopy's app uses artificial intelligence to identify and filter explicit content on every website. It can do this in milliseconds and is 99.9% accurate. While other apps block entire pages, Canopy is the only tool that filters within websites, plucking out explicit images and videos before they appear. Its image scanning technology also prevents users from taking and sending sexts. The Internet is awash in pornography, but your kids don't have to see it. Head on over to canopy.us forward slash protect to start your 30-day free trial. Enter the promo code PROTECT and get 15% off the regular price for life. Windows are us. You've tried the rest, now try the best. 
When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 690 4040. That's 1 800 690 4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your spouse has said your marriage is over and they're ready to walk out the door. So where does that leave you? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Bean. We've helped thousands of couples in this exact situation. We want to share with you the things you can do right now to start turning this crisis around. If you're somebody who's lying in bed sobbing yourself to sleep because your husband has left you or walked out on you or your wife has left you and you think, oh, well, this is it now, it's not it. There is hope. We're going to teach you the three things you need to start doing immediately to get your spouse back. If your marriage is in crisis, you're not going to want to miss this special Save My Marriage event happening on lovestories.com. So sign up today. Visit lovestories.com for the free Save My Marriage mini course happening now on lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. Check out lovestories.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. If you've been uh, listening to this show, you know that I'm a huge fan of school choice. We had a big deal out of the Hope Scholarship uh, Law in West Virginia, the one that uh, gives parents money to spend on their kids' education wherever they want to spend it. But a judge filed an injunction against it today. Andrew Bambrick is Education Outreach Coordinator at the Cardinal Institute, the organization that was responsible for the law being passed. He joins us now. Andrew, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me on, John. It's really, really great to be able to talk to you. And rather unfortunate that um, this is the circumstance that I get to talk about it on your show today. Yeah. What did the judge rule today? So the judge did. So in the case today, the judge ruled on a few housekeeping items before the start of the trial. And then she ruled on the plaintiff's request for an emergency injunction. Which based and the reason for that was because the plaintiffs were alleging that allowing the Hope Scholarship to be implemented would cause irreparable harm to the public school system. The attorneys were representing three West Virginia parents, two of whom have special needs students, and so the judge ruled that the uh, the funds for the Hope Scholarship would lead to a decrease in special need in special needs services in the public school system because of that that causes irreparable harm so an injunction was granted so that's yeah go ahead well i i want to um for people who who have not heard about this um the hope scholarship i i i had um a couple of segments a couple of shows i did on this um it's it's one of the best um school choice programs i've ever heard of uh, could oh, you just yeah. give us a quick description of what the, how it works and how it was supposed to work? Absolutely. So what the Hope Scholarship is, and I want to make this clear, it is not a voucher program. 
Um, there's a lot of references to the hope voucher. That's simply not true. A voucher is where money goes directly to a school on behalf of a family. Um, the hope scholarship, it gives money to families and they direct the funds to whichever education service provider, be that a school or a curriculum company, so long as it was a pre-approved provider that their child needed. And in order to be, and in order to qualify for the program, a student in what had to be a West Virginia resident under the age of 21 and had been enrolled in the West Virginia public school system and attending for at least 45 calendar days at the time of applying. Unless that student was going into kindergarten, then they could apply without, um, without the enrollment criteria. And at this, and at this stage going in, 93% of West Virginia students were eligible. And there's a, tr there's a trigger in the law that says that if fewer than 5% of West Virginia students apply by the year 2024, then the program becomes universal by 2026. And, what, and this program, it would have allowed families to go to private school to um, do what's called an individualized instructional program, which is educating at home. And it, it would have allowed families to do a lot of the things that they couldn't have done without this funding. Like the Hope Scholarship is not about taking funds away from schools. It's not public school versus private school or homeschooling versus private schooling. It's about funding students and funding families and giving them the resources that they need. So that's what this program would have done and hopefully will do um, once we settle this legal issue. But for now, unfortunately, the program can't go into effect, leaving over 3,000 West Virginia students in a state of limbo that myself and other advocates are actively working with them to find solutions. And um, everything you described there, uh, um, teachers unions hate. Is that who fought this? Uh, are they, were they behind this? So, so the teachers unions, they, um, they were involved in the lawsuit. To what extent? I don't know. The parties that were named were three parents, um, but there were representatives of the teachers unions at the trial today. Yeah, now, and they, they get uh, $4,200, from what I understand, to go to for each student. And the parents, if they have three students, or three, three kids who are in school, that, that gives them $12,600, which they can spend anywhere they want. Correct? And that, that's, that was the plan. And, um, and this is, this is exactly what the people who've been pushing school choice for so long, have been trying to get done is where you fund the student and not the building or not the, not the system and let the parents decide where they want to send their kids with their tax dollars because isn't this $4,200 that they're getting is not a gift. They had to pay taxes in order to get that, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And the one caveat I do want to mention is that um, – Families, they can, yeah, they can use it however they want to and wherever they want to. But if they want to use it at a private school, um, for instance, that private school had to, had to sign up to become an education service provider because since this, since this fund is, since all the funds are transacted electronically, a, a, a private school would have to declare intent to the Hope Scholarship Board that, yes, we want to participate in this program. We're going to abide by the rules of the program, and we're not going to do anything that goes against the Hope Scholarship statute. And if they did that, or if a curriculum company did that, or an online academy did that, then they would be, then those would be the schools and organizations that families could choose from to send their hope, uh, to spend their hope monies at. I, I just wanted to make that clear because there was some confusion about exactly where the funds could be spent. They could only be spent at a pre-approved provider school or organization. And would that have included a Catholic school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In, fact, the in fact, the Wheeling Charleston Diocese uh, released, a, released a statement a few weeks ago, I believe, saying that all Catholic schools in West Virginia would be participating in the program. So mm -hmm. yes, Catholic schools and other religious schools would, um, would have been able to participate in this program. Well, I had Garrett Ballinger on. Uh, he's the head of your organization. I had him on just uh, not too long ago, 10 days, two weeks ago. 
yeah. after the Supreme Court ruling, which said that uh, it was okay for the uh, the voucher program in Maine, if that's what it is, a voucher program, uh, the, the people could use their money at a religious school. The, the Supreme Court ruled that that was okay. And that's I think that's why I had Garrett on, because I wanted to see how that would affect your uh, project down there. Uh, and uh, now it's just all blown up. It's, uh, it's you back to square one. Well, not square one, but you got to uh, have to appeal it, right? Yes. Um, so I'm not involved in the appeals process, so I can't really give uh, too many too much details yeah. on you know what exactly those steps will be. But I can tell you that we are planning to appeal because ESA programs help families, and that's what this is all about. So. Once we have a so once we have a written order, we're going to begin to take the steps that we need to appeal and fight for West Virginia families and the Hope Scholarship Program. We're talking to Andrew Bambrick. He's the Education Outreach Coordinator at the Cardinal Institute, which uh, had a lot to do with not everything to do with um, getting this uh, Hope Scholarship Program in West Virginia, which has been um, recognized around the country by school choice advocates as one of the best things ever to be developed in that uh, in, in that cause. And now the, a judge has uh, today filed an injunction that uh, I guess just ends it until further notice. But the judge, um, uh, Andrew, sided with the Department of Education, which said the program undermines an already underfunded school system. That's an old argument. So that's nothing new. So um, how do you how, what? How do you beat that argument? That's that's the one that they always use. So funding. So explaining funding for this program and the school system has been one of the things that Cardinal has been working on. And like, and one of the things that we point to is yes, uh, forty three hundred dollars uh, goes to a West Virginia family who participates in the Hope Scholarship Program. But there's still anywhere from eight to ten thousand dollars that goes to the public school system for a student who they aren't even educating anymore. And the law allows for families to use Hope Scholarship dollars at a public school if they decide to purchase a course or a service or anything like that. So what we've been explaining is that, yes, funds are going funds are following families but there's still money that's going to the public school system on behalf of a student that isn't even there. So that's really the main way that we've been beating it. And also just by emphasizing and highlighting that this is about empowering and equipping families and students. And, you know, one of the things that was brought up or that's been brought up, and I, if I'm recalling correctly, was even brought up in the courtroom today was that, 4,300 isn't going to cover private school tuition or something like that. I mean, yeah, nobody, like, nobody's saying that it will. But for a lot of the families who applied for the HOPE scholarship, they just, needed, they just needed a tool. They needed something to help them offset the cost so they could educate their children. So it's a small amount, but it's an amount that's going to go a long way. And it's not an amount that's going to utterly and wholly diminish the quality of the public school system. They're well, still getting funds for a student who isn't there, and they're still being able to provide services. And what I liked about the, the program, the idea was that um, I think that by when, when the word gets out and when, the, when it becomes a, a, a fact that these parents have this money, then private schools will start opening up uh, based on the knowledge of how much money these parents have, and that's what, and then that would set the price. In other words, if you're getting forty two hundred dollars a kid, maybe uh, somebody opens up a private school that costs six thousand bucks a year, and now you you know the parents are going to figure out a way to get the other eighteen hundred. They're going to send their kid there. Uh, yeah, and that and so the price of the of the private schools w- might come down because there'd be so many people with so much money out there. That they they could uh, they could they could start their own school with three or four teachers, and get ten or fifteen or twenty families, and they would all have the money that could pay for the teachers and and keep the stinking government out of it. Pardon my expression. No, you're good. Like and one and that and definitely one of the things that Hope would have done is it would have helped improve and 
equip options and even bring more options into West Virginia. That's what, that's what we wanted. That's what I've been working on when I've talked to providers. That's what others have been working on when we've talked to providers. And that's what this program, and that's what this program would have done and hopefully will do once this is all settled. Over 3,000 families, um, that's what I understand, had, had already been awarded scholarships worth the $4,300. What happens to them now? So, unfortunately, since the program can't go into effect, they are in a state of limbo. Um, we're still waiting for we're still waiting for guidance from the attorney general's office on what exactly it will look like for them. Um, but we are working with them. We're provide we're working to provide resources for them. We're working to help them navigate their options. So, unfortunately, they won't get the money, and they're having to figure they're having to figure out you know. Can we still afford this? Um, can I homeschool my kids? Or will I have to put my children back in the public school system? So they're in limbo and they're nervous. And I've got a full inbox of emails and text messages and Facebook messages to prove that. And this what, caused a lot of harm to families today. And where, where's the next step? Which court will you, tra- will you take it to for appeal? Where's it go next? The, uh, the Supreme Court is the next one. West Virginia Supreme Court. Yes, sir. And uh, what's the makeup of that court, as far as you know? Um, so as far as I know, like, they, like based on the charter school lawsuit, it's the, uh, they seem favorable to school choice um, because they saved the injunction against the charter school system. But beyond that, um, I don't know enough to be able to say, you know, one way or another. And I don't really want to say one way or another because there are factors that we're still trying to figure out. Now, I'm wondering, too, um, if you guys appeal uh, this successfully, and maybe yeah, we may end up going beyond the Western Virginia Supreme Court, if you guys appeal this and win, what kind of a precedent might that set for other uh, projects around the country? Well, our hope is that, well, our hope is that our case and other school choice cases, for that matter, that's the precedent that these programs are not only constitutional, but that they actually work and that family desperately wants this because beyond, uh, because beyond the letter of the law, the thing that we have been working to show is that families want this and need this. Like that's the precedent that we're hoping to set that uh, ESA programs and other school choice programs are wanted by families throughout the United States, and that they are constitutional and don't cause irreparable harm. That's what we want to show, and that's the precedent that we want. Well, there's somebody named Mike Romano. He's a senator from Harrison, West Virginia, and here's a quote from him. I've never heard of anybody moving to a state because they had great private schools. Um, I don't know uh, about you, Andrew, but that might be the dumbest argument I've ever heard against school choice. Yeah. That's what you're up against. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, that's like, that's the, we have heard that we've, we've heard all the arguments, but what I'm committed to and what everybody who's been defending the Hope Scholarship is committed to is answering families' questions. Um, you know, the Cardinal Institute, we put together a lot of resources on how ESAs work, how the funding works, um, and also, and also comparing successes from other states. In fact, I've been, in fact, I've been getting questions from families and from providers about, you know, like, how does this work? Why is this important? Why will this, like, why will this actually do good? And that's the type of thing that we are up against, but we're prepared for it. And we're working our hardest to answer people's questions and respond to false claims about school choice programs. And I'm, I only have about 30 seconds left, but I see that the Attorney General is on your side. The Attorney General that is correct. Yes, the Attorney General for West Virginia is, um, is helping defend the Hope Scholarship uh, Law, and he, and, he, and he did a pretty good job, and his office did a really good job today, and I know that they're going to do everything that they can to help to help defend this program 
for in West Virginia and for West Virginia families. Well, the Republican Party, uh, the National Republican Party, should be helping you out with this. Uh, you should be getting national support from this. I hope you get some. And uh, um, Andrew Bambrick, Education Outreach Coordinator of the Cardinal Institute. Uh, thanks for coming on, and good luck, and keep me posted. I definitely will. And also, if anybody has any questions about the Hope Scholarship or needs help, you can email me, andrew at cardinalinstitute.com. Thank you. Thank you. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Deputy Police Chief Christopher Cavelli of the Lake County Sheriff's Office says a motive for the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park, Illinois, remains undetermined. Investigators have been really tirelessly working since Cremo was taken into custody trying to determine motive. At this point, there there is no definitive motive that he had. Cavelli speaking to WLS. Robert Cremo is being held without bail. The shooting killed seven and injured dozens. Meanwhile, police in Richmond, Virginia, say they thwarted a planned July 4th mass shooting after receiving a tip that led to arrest and the seizure of multiple guns. Police announced the alleged plot in a news release, but not releasing any additional information. A news conference is planned for today. The Dow is ahead 137 points. The Nasdaq up 77. This is SRN News. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, over-designed, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Brandon Tatum wants to know what has changed with the Democrats. Joe Biden said that he did not believe abortion was right. And now you hear him today and he acts like it's the end of the world if we don't allow women to have the most abortions they can. Abortion buffet. What changed with the Democrat Party? They, they have completely changed. The Officer Tatum Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Summer is here and the open road awaits. This is John Stoggerwald and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade-in value in seconds at PitCycles.com and see just how easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pit Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at PitCycles.com. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code CLOCK for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's code CLOC. Use code CLOCK for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. 
Ending our Wednesday afternoon, really busy Parkway East inbound side backing up between Forest Hills and the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Delay of up to 15 minutes or so on the outbound side, busy as you approach the tunnel. Parkway West also stacking up from 79 down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound 51, lots of slow going between Ensign Avenue and Library Road. Outbound 28, it's really busy between Veterans Bridge and Delafield Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Cloudy and humid for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 67. For tomorrow, expect more clouds than sunshine. It will be humid with a thunderstorm in a couple of spots. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 86. Cloudy and humid tomorrow night with a thunderstorm. We'll see a low of 66. As we round out the week Friday, we'll see cloudy skies. It will be humid. Expect a high of 77. With your Mackie Weather Forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, there are stories uh, almost every day coming out of high crime cities uh, controlled by Democrats of uh, crimes committed by guys who should have never been out on the street, uh, but they've been left out on bail and when they shouldn't have been, that kind of thing. There also have been lots of heartwarming stories about guys who spent a long time in prison and were found to be guilty. Uh, and if I'm sorry, be found not guilty and are free again. Maybe some of those stories uh, shouldn't warm your heart all that much. Tom Hogan is a former federal and local prosecutor and district attorney. He has a column up at City Journal with the headline, The Exoneration Hustle. He joins us now. Tom, thanks for being here. Happy to be here, John. So um, are some of these uh, innocent men getting their freedom back uh, not so innocent? Well, it certainly looks that way. Uh, at first, let me say that statistically, there have to be some innocent people who accidentally get convicted and should be freed. But based on what we're seeing in the news, based on what we're seeing in the reports, um, several people in law enforcement asked me to look at some of these exonerations, some of these blaring headlines, innocent man freed after uh, serving 20 years for a murder he didn't commit and see if there were patterns that indicated that maybe these people really did do it. Maybe maybe progressive prosecutors were figuring out some way to just get people out of jail free. And those patterns are showing up, and it is disturbing. Yeah, so you you write about those uh, 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 a typical scenario in your piece uh, up at the uh, City Journal. Can you give us a typical scenario with a guy being convicted, then found not guilty years later, how that works? Sure. If you think about your average murder in a big city, um, a lot of time it's two drug guys. So imagine one drug guy decides to kill another drug guy because he's on his street corner. So the one guy pulls up in a car and shoots the other guy. Um, and then the guy pulls off. Now, the only people who are going to see that, you know, it's not going to be a pope, a nun, and a rabbi. It's going to be people who are out on the street. Right. It's going to be drug, drug users, drug dealers. Uh, sex workers. So, yeah, in this case, the, the guy who did the shooting, it gets witnessed by a prostitute, a drug user, and the guy who got shot, the victim's buddy, was standing right there. Well, all of those people end up testifying at trial that yeah, it was this defendant who shot the other guy, and he gets convicted of murder. But the only reason they're testifying is because the prostitute has charges over her, so she's cooperating with the prosecution. Drug dealer, um, the, who's a buddy of the guy who got shot, has unrelated drug charges, and he's cooperating. And the same for the drug user. They're testifying truthfully. They have no trouble identifying this guy. They all know him. Um, so he gets convicted. No problem. 20 years go by. He's used up all his appeals, and now he's just on federal habeas. But now, you know what? A progressive prosecutor gets elected. And he has promised all of his voters, all of his electors, that there are a whole bunch of people in jail who didn't do it. And this progressive prosecutor is now going to free all these falsely convicted folks. Now, how's he going to do it? Well, he looks at murders like this, which is a very typical murder. And the first thing he does is he goes and he gets those witnesses, the prostitute, the drug dealer, and the drug user, to recant to change their testimony. And are they going to? Absolutely. 20 years have gone by. They don't have any leverage over that anymore. They're not facing any charges. 
And if you think of it, they still live in the same neighborhood. Are they going to be loyal to a guy who's been dead for 20 years? Or are they going to be loyal to the family of the guy who's been locked up for 20 years? Very easy to get them to recant. And if you look at all these exonerations that are popping up with these progressive prosecutors in places like Philly and Baltimore, Chicago, you will see most of these exonerations are based on the fact that suddenly these witnesses are recanting their testimony. So it's a pattern that's showing up over and over again. That's the first thing that we look for, and it's showing up over and over again. And um, how, do, how do witnesses who uh, I assume are, had tef- have testified under oath, how do they get away with recanting? I mean, that's changing their – they just say, well, I, I, I might have been mistaken. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. And then now it's no, they, that's a reasonable doubt. Absolutely. They, they'll say, yeah, you know, maybe I wasn't really as sure as I, as I thought I was. Or, fairly often, they come back and they say, well, I was threatened in order to get me to testify. Um, and, you know, the progressive prosecutors are happy to take that. Um, they do not delve into whether or not the people really did see what they said they saw. Um, so it's an easy switch for them to pull. Um, because again, these folks, there's no leverage over them anymore and they don't care about coming back in. And as a matter of fact, I've seen plenty of times where they were actually the family of the guy who's getting locked up is putting pressure on these witnesses to recant. And again, they all still live in the same neighborhood. They all still know each other. I'm sure if you pressed harder into this, you get into the whole stop stitching thing and you find out some of these witnesses probably were getting paid to recant. And they they are made aware of people that they know who were guilty uh, are now being let out and being declared not guilty, um, so they know it can be done. And they, I'm going to oh, yeah. I'm going to go get my buddy out or my husband out. He's been in for 15 years. I'm going to try the same thing. Yeah, there actually was a story in the New York Times that linked together five murderers who didn't know each other but who all figured out independently how to get out one after the other, but linking themselves together and figuring out what the patterns were in order to get themselves out. So, but that's just the first step, getting the witnesses to recant mm-hmm. because a lot of times a judge will say, nah, the, rec- the recantation is not enough. The judges know that witnesses are likely to be put under these pressures 20 years later and they might falsely recant. So these progressive prosecutors need to take another step. They need a legal hook in order to trigger a release. And what they usually do is they go and they admit that there was prosecutorial misconduct or police misconduct, or they claim the defense counsel was ineffective. And there's nobody to oppose them when they say this. Because if they are saying that the police engaged in misconduct or that their own office engaged in misconduct, Well, the police officer from 20 years ago or the prosecutor from 20 years ago is not still around to defend themselves. So the prosecutor is saying, yeah, my office did something wrong or the defense lawyer did something wrong. A lot of defense lawyers don't mind stepping in there and saying, yeah, uh, I was infected. Free my free my former client. So all of a sudden you've got a legal hook. And as a matter of fact, in Philadelphia, one of the judges said, I don't really believe that this guy is innocent. But. I don't have any way to stop the DA from doing this if the DA is admitting to a legal error. So now you've got the second step in this exoneration hustle. You want to take somebody who's actually guilty and set them free, you get the witnesses to recant, and then you admit to a legal error, whether it's true or not. And, and this only happens with a, 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 a total retrial, right? You have to try the case again? No, these progressive prosecutors are not trying the case again. They are simply declaring that the person is innocent, admitting to some error, and letting them out. It is not a retrial. Now, it's one thing, you know, the scenario you you described uh, with one drug dealer shooting another, and, um, and everybody's happy 20 years later because, you know, they get paid off, whatever the reason you described, uh, all those scenarios. Um, what about the people who had uh, somebody who wasn't a drug dealer killed, uh, like a, a brother or a husband or a son? Uh, 
and they know the guy is guilty, and they see the guy coming out and being declared innocent. So you will very seldom see that. If you see, you know, a husband who killed a wife um, or somebody who killed a child, you will very seldom see this sort of thing happen. Okay. Um, you know, and, and certainly if there is DNA evidence or fingerprints, um, which you really don't have in that many murder cases, mm-hmm. um, then it's much harder for these progressive prosecutors to basically wipe away a conviction like that. We're talking- um, you know, Go ahead. But there's still a final step that they like to go through, which is to have somebody who's supposedly independent say that they reviewed the file for the prosecutor and came back and said, yes, this person's factually innocent. They should be let go. And that's it. What we have seen there is that the person who's doing the independent review, it really isn't independent. Um, The one who did it for Chase Boudin out in San Francisco right before he got recalled, well, that person was actually somebody who had close ties to Boudin, somebody who's part of an innocence project, somebody who's part of a family who is desperately opposed to the criminal justice system. So it wasn't some former prosecutor or former judge doing a rigorous independent review and saying, yes, there were legal errors and this person needs to be free. It's generally an echo chamber, just repeating something that the prosecutor wants to hear. Amazing. We're talking to Tom Hogan. He's a former federal and local prosecutor, former elected district attorney. You can see his column at city-journal.org, the headline of which is The Exoneration Hustle. This is really amazing, um, the stuff that's in here. And just what what I wonder about, and you mentioned uh, Chesa Boudin, the guy out in San Francisco. He's a special case because his, I think his, his father is still in prison. His his parents were involved in a an homicide, and he's now the or was the uh, DA out there. But uh, so I can kind of understand his motivation. He thinks everybody should be let out of prison. But what about some of these other guys in the places you mentioned? Not just guys, women too. Uh, St. Louis, Philadelphia. What is their motivation? Is it just to get votes, or is it because they just think that people? It's not right that people spend too much time in jail. Uh, it's some of both, John, hit upon their two motivations exactly. One is they just don't think people should spend the rest of their lives in jail, even if they've murdered people. Um, so they will do anything they can to get them out. Um, and the thing is, is, it's votes. If you think about why we worry that some prosecutors might be overly aggressive um, and might try to convict an innocent person, it's the same thing for progressive prosecutors. They made the opposite choice. They didn't promise to lock everybody up. They promised to lock nobody up. And they are responding to their voters. They want to be popular with their voters. They want to be popular with their media. Right now, media and the voters in these big cities are all in on these exonerations. They think they're the greatest thing in the world. And they don't plug too hard to pluck too hard to determine if the person actually is innocent. And for Pittsburgh, you guys need to worry. You now have a, you know, a very liberal mayor. You have a very liberal city council. And if you turn around, if the next show that comes to town is a progressive prosecutor, Pittsburgh is going to start to see the same things. Right now, um, you have a prosecutor who has been there for a long time, and he is just very unlikely to free some free, free guilty people. Mm-hmm. Instead, Uh, But if somebody else comes in, you get a progressive prosecutor. Pittsburgh needs to worry about the exact same thing happening there. Well, I'm I'm having a tough time understanding how 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 a D.A. gets elected by running on uh, it's time to let murderers out of prison. We got there are too many of them in jail. I mean, who who votes for somebody like that? How do they get elected? Well, there is an electorate who responds well to that in our big cities, because they have been told by the media and academia over and over again that there is mass incarceration and that there are a whole bunch of innocent people sitting in jail. And if you actually look at the statistics, our incarceration rate is now the same as it was in 1990, um, which is when there was so much violence that even a Democratic president decided there was too much violence and we needed to have a crime control bill. Mm -hmm. Um, so the incarceration rate has gone all the way back down. 
um, to what it was when we were a very unsafe country. And the other thing is this myth of innocence. Um, when I was in the office, I had somebody who had actually gotten someone out of these exoneration uh, cases come in and speak to the office because I always told our guys, don't ever convict an innocent person. That's your first job. Mm-hmm. Your next job is to make sure you do convict the guilty. Um, but this guy came in, described what happened in his case, and our entire office looked at him and said, your guy actually did it. There were some legal errors in that case, no doubt, but your guy did it. And if we tried again, we would convict him. And you know, I've talked to thousands of prosecutors over the years and said, how many of you have ever convicted an innocent person? And none of them have. Now, statistically, there's going to be somebody in there who's innocent. Um, but the real truth of the matter that nobody wants to talk about is there are way more guilty people who go free or who are never even caught in the first place than there ever will be innocent people convicted. There are an incredibly small number of truly innocent people who are convicted in our system because our system is is set up to make sure that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, the American system is not set up to control progressive prosecutors who can do pretty much whatever they want and set free pretty much anybody they feel like. It's amazing. Uh, And I have to say, I have to admit that when I've seen these stories, I've thought, boy, that's I feel sorry for the guy. Oh, my God, he spent 22 years in prison and he didn't do it. And I've I've been (laughs) they fooled me. Um, Can you put a number on it? I mean, if if I see that a a guy, a a former drug dealer has been found uh, not guilty of the murder uh, that he was supposed to have committed, and he's being set free, and, uh, and there's a, the heartwarming story of his family meeting him outside the prison. How often should I just completely <laughs> dismiss that, and or, or should I should I should I assume that it's it's BS? Just no. You just need to you just need to read a little bit further down in the story, and the minute you see recanting witnesses, okay. and that the DA admitted that there was. Uh, some type of prosecutorial or police misconduct without any formal finding by the court where the court never actually waded into it and made specific findings, having heard from both sides, then you'll know that this is the exoneration hustle happening right in front of you. And if they bring in a supposedly outside expert, dig into that outside expert's uh, background. And if you find out that they're all about just getting people out of jail, you'll know you are running into one of these schemes where a progressive prosecutor may be letting somebody who actually is guilty of murder out of jail. I got about a minute left with Tom Hogan. He's a former uh, federal and local prosecutor and district attorney. Um, This isn't on the subject that I had you on to talk about, but real quick, I just saw today that uh, only 54%, I think it's nationwide, 54% of murders are being not prosecuted, but solved, I guess would be the word. Is that a bad yeah, number? It's cleared. Oh, that's a that's a very bad number, and that actually is an exaggerated number. We used to be at around seventy to eighty percent, um, but I have looked at the underlying statistics for big cities in the United States right now. It's closer to twenty to thirty percent. So the people who are committing murders right now know that there's a very good chance they are not going to be caught because of the prosecutors who are currently sitting on top of these cities. Well, it's a, if you want to kill somebody, it's a pretty good bet right now. That's nice to know. Hey, um, <laughs> Tom, I appreciate you coming on. It's a great piece at city-journal.org. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Have a good night. Stay safe out there in Pittsburgh. All right. We'll be right back. In 2008, I wrote the book, The Dumbest Generation. This is Mark Bauerlein. My first book chronicled the millennials who spent time staring at screens with extravagant hopes of a high-tech future. They were confident, optimistic, ambitious. Technology was to make millennials the smartest generation. In truth, it robbed them of faith, patriotism, history, art, literature, civics. The mentors didn't give them beauty and truth and greatness. Instead, millennials have looked for answers in utopian dreams of perfect justice and universal happiness that will only disappoint them. At age 30, they go for cancel culture. My new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, 
from stupefied youth to dangerous adults, lays out the wreckage and shows how to rescue the next generation. If you'd like to learn more about my work, listen to my podcast at First Things Magazine, www.firstthings.com, www.firstthings.com. From best-selling author Mark Bauerlein, get the essential new book, The Demos Generation Grows Up, available wherever books are sold. Well, as you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. This is John Steigerwald. For a limited time, you can save $90 on a pair of My Slippers, and this blowout sale of the year is not going to last long, so order now. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and out all day long. They're made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 716 8087 and use the promo code STAG or Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. Again, this offer will not last long, so order now with promo code STAG at MyPillow.com. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, we talk about Canada way too much on this show. I, I know, but I can't, I can't help it. This is the latest. Are you ready? This is the uh, Canadian military will now have changes in their uniforms. Okay, are you ready? One of the major changes is that uniforms will no longer be divided into the categories male and female. This means that service members who identify as men will be able to wear skirts given that all references to gender have been removed in respect to items such as skirts, nylons, and purses. In addition, recruits will no longer have to shave their heads in basic training. There will be no restrictions on hair length unless it impedes performance. Service members will also be allowed to dye their hair and have long fingernails and ear piercings if it doesn't interfere with their duties. This is, I'm not making this up. I'm reading this from, this is from the USSA News, uh, whatever that, I don't know what that's, but it's everywhere. It's not the only place where I saw this. This is just one of the places where it exists. So they're going to let men in the Canadian military have long fingernails, earrings, long colored hair, and they can wear dresses. How'd you like to have them landing at Normandy in 1944? Here they come, coming off, coming off the ship with their, with their fingernails and their... What, what is going on in the world? Who is running that country up there? First of all, it's a girly man named Justin Trudeau, and they have to get him out of there like yesterday. This is just beyond belief. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.